0: Good morning and welcome to episode 120 of Martin Uncut. Today it's August the 10th, 2021. Today's episode is being productive on the iPad. Today's topics will be editing podcasts using ferrite on the iPad. Cal Newport's book, Deep Work. And we will end off this podcast episode with talking about smart goals. But hold on, let's go. Last week, I talked about the new podcast format and I also talked about the iPad I purchased. And today I'm going to talk a little bit about the experience I've had so far by working and doing productive work to do producing content on this iPad. And I will be focusing mainly on the podcasting side. I have done some other production as well, but I have chosen to talk about that in a future episode. So, podcasting then. I have in the past a couple of times talked about the different applications that I have tried out, tested to, to use when I am working with the podcasts. And the main tool I've been talking about is what's called a DAW or a DAW that stands for digital audio workstation and essentially that is an application that you do the edit of the sound so you import the sound files that's most often wav files so they are raw formats or you can also import mp3 file or other compressed formats but i would recommend if you're doing a podcast to save down wav files because then you can actually deal with issues with uh, within the files easier like sound problems and so on. I've talked a lot about a door called Audacity that is an open source door. It's uh, possible to run it on Windows, Mac OS and Linux and I use that actually from time to time. And for the use case I am using it, it's not too much to actually cut and edit sound. It's actually more to treat the sound. So I use it to remove background noise maybe, or amplify it, or normalize it. Simple stuff like that. And for Martin and Cut for this podcast, for the 118 uh, first episodes, I use only Audacity to actually sound treat the podcast. So I use that really a lot. Another door I've used a lot is Audition. Audition is a tool that comes with Adobe Creative Suite. And I mean, that is probably the top of class when it comes to doors. It can do anything. If there is anything you want to do, Audition can do it for you. It can cut, there is a lot of shortcuts, but all this power and all of this functionality comes with a cost. And that cost is that it's incredibly complex. It's hard to learn. It's really hard to find your way around within the application. And you, it takes a long time, actually, to, to start using it. In the beginning, when I used it, I was really, really slow. But if you want to do really advanced things, Audition is definitely a door to look at. I have also, in the podcast, talked about a door called Hindenburg or Hindenburg Journalist. I will link to that episode in the show notes and Hindenburg Journalist is uh, a little bit simpler though than um, Audition and it's really focused on journalistic work so it's perfect for us as podcasters to use it to import audio and to cut the audio into pieces so the, the cut is really, really quick. So the edit part is really, really quick in Hindenburg. And I really, really like, liked it. And the reason I don't use it or chose not to use it was mainly because it was a couple of hundred dollars, I think, to buy it. And I didn't want to spend that much money on yet another program. But if you don't have a door and if you are brand new, and you feel a little bit intimidated with all the technology and programs, Hindenburg Journalist is probably the tool that you should go with. The problem with Hindenburg Journalist is that it doesn't have all whistles and bells when it comes to mixing and sound treatment. It's quite limited to that. It will normalize the audio and those kind of things and you can produce a really good and you can produce a really well sounding podcast using it. So it's a nice tool. I definitely recommend it. But today I'm going to talk about yet another door, And that door is called Ferrite. And Ferrite is an iPad application. I installed it on my iPad and there is a free version. You can use it for free, but you're limited to quite short podcasts. I think it's 10 minutes or below an hour. Um, I ran into issues with that immediately. So I just decided to buy it. So I went into the app store and bought it and it's like 35 US dollars or something. So it's not incredibly expensive. It's less than what I pay for Adobe Creative Suite for one month. I get more with Adobe Creative Suite, of course, but just a comparison. I actually edited last week's episode. So episode 119 was edited and cut with Ferrite. And this content segment that you're listening to right now, it's actually recorded straight into the iPad in ferrite and that's just because I'm traveling and I don't have my studio with me. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about the setup in just a second. What you do is with ferrite is that you can import sound and in my case I imported the files from Dropbox and last episode I just recorded as normal but instead of sound treating it in Audition I just put the files I sound Treated them a little bit, so I fixed the sound levels on things in Audition and I put them on Dropbox. So they were leveled and all of those kind of things, and I imported them into Ferrite. And then I could see the really, really nice waveforms. And the thing that is really powerful with Ferrite is the editing side. You can actually work quite quickly with it, it's really fast to edit, cut, and, and move around within the within the sound file, because it's so easy to zoom, you just pinch and drag to zoom. And if you have an Apple Pencil, you can use that for the edits. And that makes you really precise and quick when you're doing the cuts. So that's a really nice way to working with the iPad and Ferrite. So just imagine I I edited the whole episode 119 sitting in my couch with iPad in my lap. And that was amazing experience, absolutely. You can of course also use the keyboard, the magic keyboard, and keyboard shortcuts. I decided not to do that because I uh, I have the pen, so that works really well. The I think Fairlight is at least as fast as Audition when it comes to editing, but it takes a little time to get used to it, as every program out there. Fairlight has its nicks and cranks you need to learn how to do things and especially the pen you have you can switch the application from being in in finger mode and pen mode and you switch that by double clicking on the pen and i did that so many times and i didn't understand why it didn't do what i expected it to do but that was just because i have forgot which mode the pen was in or the application was in so that was a little bit uh, a thing to to learn but I really liked the way that you could, could edit and cut the wave file. The poor side with ferrite, and that is a really big downtime, you have a very limited amount of filters and mixing capabilities. And that is the reason why I actually normalized the sound before I brought it into ferrite. There is some functionality in ferrite, so you can actually normalize sound, but I think it actually impacted the sound in a really bad way. So I could hear that the sound was changed and I was not happy with the result. So I decided just to sound treat it before and then edit it in Ferrite. When you have edited it, you can just export it and you export the final show back out to Dropbox. You get a MP3 file and you can just use that immediately. It was really fast to export audio at least the same speed as I would expect to have from Audition. Going forward, of course, I will not sit and edit every podcast that I'm working with within Ferrite, because I have Audition, I have a nice computer, I have a good setup to, to work with. So I will, of course, use that setup to do most of my podcast editing. But as now, for example, when I'm out on the, on the road, moving around It's a really good way to actually be able to work with sound files. It's also a way to quickly do small uh, small edits and you don't have to go to work on your laptop to do everything. So for example, when I put the kids to bed, it's perfect just to put the files on the iPad and I can sit and edit it when the the kids fall asleep. So that's a really nice solution. So tomorrow morning, I'm actually going to fly to Italy to actually attend to a wedding, the upcoming weekend and that will be the past weekend for you. So I was not able to record everything I wanted in my normal studio so today I am actually sitting at home. I'm packing my bag for tomorrow so I'm sitting inside the closet because this is the probably the room in the house with the best uh, acoustic properties because there is so much clothes in here so there is no echo whatsoever. I'm using a a Rode microphone. I think it's a Rode Podcaster USB microphone and that is plugged straight into a dongle that is connected straight into the iPad. So there is nothing around it and the iPad is now acting as the recording device. I really hope that the the sound of this will be fantastic. It's a little bit of a test as well to see if this is something I can do going forward. Ferrite for the iPad, it's an application that I definitely recommend that you take a look at, especially if you are interested in podcasting and if you may be looking at an iPad-only workflow. Back in episode 113, I talked a lot about the books that I got because I got a big stack of books at the same time. I will, of course, link to the episode in the show notes. But the books that I got was Solving the Procrastination Puzzle by Timothy Pischel. I probably butchered his name, so sorry about that. I also got Deep Work by Cal Newport. And the book called Peak by Anders K. Ericsson, which is a Swedish scientist that lived in Florida. I also got The Data Detective by Tim Halford. It's a really interesting book. I have talked about that before, I believe. And I will see if I can link to that book as well. And finally, I also got Case Studies by Sigmund Freud. But today I wanted to talk a little bit about the book deep work by cal newport this is the first book that i ever read by newport and i think it's actually a really interesting book and if you want to uh, to read something that we will give you a lot of learnings take a look at this one so deep work is about deep work of course and what is then deep work So deep work is when you are working really, really concentrated on a task. And when you're doing that, it's, of course, really, really important that you remove all the different things that can distract you. So you need to kind of be in a a place where you don't have colleagues or family or anyone that is continuously uh, interrupting you. And you should work on a task. The task doesn't have to be the most fun task in the world, but it is good if it's a little bit hard so that you use more of your intellectual capability. When you are in this deep work state, you will actually have a lot easier to get in what's called flow. And flow is kind of this state you put your mind and your, your brain into. When you are really, really focused. You completely lose the concept of time. And it's a really, really satisfying place to be. And by looking at the um, Deep Work book and the other results you have is that you actually get the best work you can do by going into this Deep Work state. And Newport has himself worked with Deep Work in a very, very long time. And he also brings in examples from other people like Carl Jung for example. He was a disciple or a scientist at the same time as Freud and he also worked with deep work. He didn't know why and how and all of these ideas that Newport have and is talking about but he found, Jung that is, found that by actually isolating himself and working deeply concentrated over some period of the year was really really important and brought his career forward it's also been shown that it's uh, something called deliberate practice and i mentioned the book peak by anders k Erickson. and deliberate practice it's really what he was doing research in so that is quite quite related to deep work and deliberate practice is when you're actually really working hard with something if you are in a deep work state you are also doing deliberate practice but the important thing with deliberate practice is that you should also get rapid feedback so that you can essentially fail often and fail fast and in that way you will actually learn a lot faster and you will bring your skills forward a lot faster so I think these books are quite uh, connected. I haven't read Peak yet. I will probably start with that in these upcoming few days. One thing that Newport is talking about is that if you are being used to be working with or within a deep state, you will actually be more resilient to interruptions. You will be able to handle them better. Because what we see today is that people is working more and more interruptive. They are, quote unquote, multitasking. And as most of us know, it's not really possible to multitask. No one can multitask. The brain is really just single tasking when we're multitasking. It's just really rapidly switching between different thoughts or different tasks that we're working on similar to a computer but the difference is that the computer was built to do this our brain is not so when we are multitasking or switching focus and that is really what deep work is about so when you're switching focus you get a residual part left in your brain about the task that you left And that means that when you start looking at the next task, you don't have your full brain capacity with you. So you can't use everything you have. And that is one of the reasons why it's so much more effective to actually be working with deep work. And of course, most of us cannot just say, I'm going to work interrupter, don't talk to me. Because that would mean that we would most likely Lose our job, and most of us want to have a job to go to so we can enjoy the benefits of having a salary. What you should do is probably to see if you can carve out some time during the day. It doesn't have to be the whole day, but let's say that you can carve out maybe an hour or two every day where you actually are working uninterrupted, and then you can use the other time to work with the tasks that are interrupting you. And you can also use that time where you're interrupted to prepare for your deep work time so that you can actually be really effective and use that time to actually be be focusing on, on quality, high quality work. That is the whole intention of it. What you will notice when you are doing deep work is that you actually find yourself being a lot more productive or at least to get the feeling that you are being more productive. I have been doing tests a little bit with deep working for the uh, last couple of weeks. I have had two weeks where I've burnt a lot of time doing deep work and it's really really fulfilling because what you realize is that you actually get so much done during this deep work time. And the quality of the work that you do is, is really good. And you you don't have all of these stupid problems or faults that you so easily get into your, your work when you are doing a little bit work and a little bit work there. So I'm definitely going to continue myself doing deep work. And my plan for this fall here is to actually use the, the mornings, not the whole morning, because I need to do some things in in the beginning of the morning but let's say from 9 in the morning up until lunch to have deep work during that time and during that time i would just crank out so much things that i can do hopefully that will be uh with really good results i hope that my work capability will improve so about deep work the book then is it a book that i can recommend for you to read oh yes definitely Deep Work is a fantastic book. I, it was a fun read. It was a quite quick read. Uh, I like the way Newport is writing. His language is quite modern. And he um, one thing that I really like is that he is also pointing back to references for everything he is talking about. So that means that you can find a lot of other things that you can... Uh, go and read. There is uh, a lot of of interesting information in there. So we have reached the third and last segment recorded from the closet uh, in Sweden. So soon I can actually leave the closet or come out of the closet. That would be, be nice because I'm sitting on the floor, so it's not the most comfortable place to sit and record on. Now I wanted to talk a little bit about smart goals. Smart goals is a way to actually structure your goals. The reason I talk about smart goals today is because this comes out in the beginning of August. A lot of people comes back from vacation and if you're in Sweden or in the Scandinavian countries you have had probably a quite long vacation. So I myself I was away for four weeks full-time and I just uh, did a little bit in and, in and out to, to work. And I still have more vacation to use. So it's a really nice place to live. But the thing is when we, you come back after four weeks vacation is that you're a little bit stupid. You, are, you don't really know what, uh, where, where everything is and, and things. so You really need some time to get up to speed. And for me, it's quite important and quite good to actually sit down and do some planning. Because that helps me to come up to speed quickly. When you plan your goals, you should plan the goals uh, with the smart or in the smart way. And what that means is that your goals should be specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. I will give you an example to easier understand this. So let's say that we take... uh, that we have the goal that we want to lose weight. So then, if I write on my list of goals that my goal is to lose weight, that is not a smart goal because it's not specific. It is kind of measurable. It is um, maybe not achievable. It is um, realistic. I don't know. I don't know when it's done, and it's not time bound. So a smart goal would be: I want to lose. 10 kilos of weight before this new year's this is a smart goal because it is really specific it tells me that i want to lose 10 kilos of weight it is measurable because i can measure my weight before and after and during this uh, execution of this goal so i can see that i actually lost the 10 kilos and i can also ...measure and see how I'm doing towards this goal. It should be achievable and realistic and uh, accepted and realistic. And it is accepted because I should do this. And it's definitely realistic to to lose 10 kilos uh, before New Year's. It's five months to New Year's. So it should be possible. It may be hard. It, the goals can be hard. That's totally fine. But they should be realistic. And finally... It's time-bound. I said I should do this before New Year's so I know when it should be done. So that is essentially a SMART goal. And if you have SMART goals or set up goals at all, because if you just say that my goal is to lose weight, it's not really a goal in my, my eyes. But if you have a SMART goal the probability that you actually achieve it is a lot higher than if you don't have a SMART goal. And I will also give you a few extra tips here. One tip is that don't set up too many goals because if you have too many goals, you will not be able to focus. And then you're in the danger that you potentially won't achieve as many goals because you lose focus, you won't have the energy, you don't know where to go, so you will actually not be able to to finish all of these goals and the cost of that will be that you actually achieve less goals than that you would have it than if you would have had less goals from the beginning. I know that sounded a little bit complicated, but just try to limit the number of goals. And the other tip that I wanted to give you today is that make a routine where you're sitting down and looking through your list of goals. Make sure that, okay, are these goals still the goals that I work with or should work with? Am I in track? Are these goals moving ahead? Or haven't I done movement on these goals for a while maybe I need to do some change here or maybe they're doing really well so maybe it's place for actually go and celebrate that's never wrong do you know what you should do to actually bring it forward if you are like me getting things done nerd this goal we would call this goal a project so project is something that we want to achieve that we want to uh, reach to and for every goal we should always have what we call a next action and a next action is essentially telling us what the next physical visible activity is that will either complete the project goal in this case or bring it forward So that is a really good thing to keep in mind. And when you're sitting down and reviewing your goal, the projects, in my terminology, you should make sure that you have something that brings it forward. Because if you don't have that, it will probably never, ever finish and you will not finish it. So that was my small small productivity tip of this episode that was all I had for you from the closet today next week I am back as usual recording in my normal place with my normal stuff Uh, until then have a fantastic time ciao ciao Martin Uncut, your daily technology dose.